Hey there. Thanks for checking out this episode of H&M Live. Your support is always greatly appreciated as I'm always striving to provide content that enlightens, entertains, and educates. Look, I've just enabled supporter functionality on the podcast, so click the link in the show description and any support that you provide will be greatly appreciated. Be well. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. afternoon good evening depending on the time that you're watching this everyone james hicks here from hicks new media and welcome to another edition of perspectives in focus where we talk to the people industries ideas and technology that are making positive strides within society today we got a great show let me t- let me tell you something we, we started a little late because we were chopping it up behind the scenes here uh with, with this guy talking about a, a day in the life right uh brandon Cullen. brandon is a professional athlete turned entrepreneur who currently serves as the co-founder and chief concept officer at Metabolic, where where they offer their members, uh, and I'm going to put in quotes, strength-driven interval training. I want to go back to that statement because he, he uses that as a tagline within the organization. I want to get the real understanding and the concept behind that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about his incredibly interesting story from not just the sports world, but also his business ventures and kind of the dealing with adversity in life, professionally and personally, and coming out on top. 
So we definitely got a treat today, folks. Get your notebooks ready because uh, you're going to need to take some notes. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Cole. Brandon, you good? Thanks for having me, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Look, um, I teased it a little bit, but I think no one can tell their story a little bit better. So the elevator pitch of who Brandon Cullen is today, if you could uh, tell folks who that is. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always say you somewhat get bored of your own story. uh, But truth is, I, uh, I did grow up in Canada and I followed a a very similar uh, young boy's dream to one day play in the National Hockey League. Um, so I, I, I actually followed that dream pretty far. I was able to make it through uh, major juniors um, in Canada, eventually walked on uh, to a professional contract with the New York Rangers, and I spent the bulk of my career in their minor league system. So between the uh, Charlotte Checkers of the East Coast Hockey League and the um, Hartford Wolfpack of the AHL. So that was how I got to the United States. Um, My career, uh, just to kind of sum it up, was ended uh, kind of abruptly uh, with a career-ending concussion. I was kind of told that you will never be medically cleared to play again. Um, So I had to make a couple, it wasn't a tough decision, but fitness was a huge part of my life part of my game. Um, it was also um, supplementary, supplementary income uh, that I used in the summer. So I would train other athletes in the summer um, to kind of keep that bank account <laughs> where it was at the end of uh, the last season. So I don't want to say it was easy to transition into fitness, but it definitely made sense to give it a go. And, you know, I'm lucky enough and have caught the right kind of breaks. And um, I now have a company that uh, we found a nice little niche. And I founded it with a another hockey player who is my best buddy and business partner who's in the office behind me. Um, and this is what we do now. We, we do strength-driven interval training for everyday people. I love that. So let's, let's rewind and talk a little bit about – because – Forward of mind, right now we want to talk about the business and talk about metabolic and, and what it is that you're providing and how that's continuing to grow. The, the statement that I did, I made at the beginning, and again, I, I put the quotes around it, the strength-driven interval training. And and you mentioned that you are, I think, what was it, the industry's first, industry leading. And tell me how you can make that statement and how you differentiate between other types of training facilities, other gyms, other CrossFit boxes, whatever the case may be. And, and sure. am I correct in even pigeonholing and saying metabolic is a, a CrossFit box, right? Cause I, I want, I want to make it clear for folks that are listening and watching. Yeah, we definitely aren't. Um, know the CrossFit world very well was involved in it long before it hit pop culture. Mm-hmm. It was just a different, uh, it was a different animal at that time, uh, in a good way, I would say, you know, in the uh, mid 2000s, uh, we were involved in some early on CrossFit products. And at that point, you really were working with um, collegiate athletes, ex-professional athletes. Um, a lot of ex-military was a mm. big thing at that point too. Um, so you, to sum it up, you were working with people that had years of training experience, were used to intensity. So the stimulus that CrossFit gave made all the sense in the world for this population. Um, and then it hit pop culture 
And now it's just kind of a different thing than it was. I don't even want to say uh, bad, just different. Mm -hmm. And so what we, when we decided to transition, the best way to say this is we noticed a massive hole kind of in the industry, right? You had sports specific training, which I would consider um, CrossFit. And then at that point, the rise of boutique fitness really had not happened yet. Um, So you had more of your, your uh, YMCA, uh, Bally's Total Fitness, um, athletic conditioning type classes, right? So very, you know, very generic, very boot camp driven. And what we wanted to create was a true strength and conditioning program for people past their sport that would allow them to age um, athletically into their 50s. Um, so a very smart strategic strength and conditioning po- program minus the barbell, very approachable and very scalable to a big population. Okay. So when I look at like the metabolic website, I I should see more than again, just doing multiple iterations of an exercise for time. I, I, I would see obviously from, from your training as, as an athlete, I'm going to find some squat racks. I'm going to find some flat bench. I'm going to find all of that. And and a community around that as well, right? To to encourage people and to uh, continue <clears throat> to track progress and fitness things like that. Again, I just want to kind of dive into how you differentiate. Then, uh, yeah. So the first distinct then crunch uh, fitness, uh, yeah, then, then crunch fitness, or you know something like that, yeah, or plant. You yeah. Know. So so first, I was just trying to make the um, the difference between CrossFit, and I kind of left you hanging there. So the big shift now right is crossfit they're no really they're they're not really in the conversation from pop culture fitness anymore they have a very loud like bark but they don't have a huge bite in the greater fitness um arena the companies like um the f45s the orange theories um you're starting to see uh rumble boxing starting to make some noise so like pop culture fitness And uh, I want to use that term specifically because I think it's I think I have to admit that we are in the pop culture fitness scene. We just do strength and conditioning very, very well. Now, the biggest distinguishing factor to who we compete with, um, say, an F45 or an Orange Theory or even you can loop in like the high intensity cycle classes, the, the very um, high intensity uh, flowy yoga classes, the biggest missing components is strength. So even listen, we're all in marketing, right? So I realize if you log on to some of these websites, you may see a kettlebell, you may see a dumbbell and they might even use the word strength. But when I make the claim, the first and only strength and conditioning fitness franchise I mean that because it's not a, not only is it our, our own marketing gimmick or ploy or whatever you want to say, it also is very true. Mm -hmm. When you go into a competitor of ours, that's claiming to have a strength driven program. It's a buzzword for them. We actually are a buy a strength bias program where if you go into a competitor, they may have a 40 pound dumbbell. We would have a 90 pound dumbbell. Um, We would have a 48 kilogram kettlebell. So, and and here's the thing is we are huge. Sometimes when you are forced 
to defend your product or promote your product, you're put into a weird position of almost like looking down at the other guys. Mm. I'm here to say that the fitness world's massive. And what these guys are doing over there, there is plenty of room for that. I just like the opportunity to say, this is what we are going after. This is what we are great at. And if you are a person that is past their sport, that is looking to age vibrantly, you do that through strength. It's not, that. it's not through pounding the pavement. It's not through repetitive um, cardio-driven programs. As we age, our body breaks down. Gravity is pushing against us. And the only way to push back is strength. So there's, you know, there's a weird education component with the general consumer, but if you're looking to, yeah, I guess that's what I'd say, age vibrantly, consider strength to be your best asset. I love that. And, and I appreciate you for allowing me to kind of dive deeper into getting that, that answer off. Because again, uh, and I don't think anything is wrong with that statement that, you know, the pop culture um, fitness focus, because a lot of times we as the end consumer don't know or don't understand the differentiation piece. And I think you, you very clearly uh, set yourself on, on a different level again, as opposed to like, like I was mentioning, <clears throat> and I, I don't want to talk bad about anybody else, but you know, the, the crunches and the plan of fitness and, and the sure. X, Y's and Z's who just focus on this, you have, you lead with strength training and, and realize that that is the key component. You, you can't, you can't be on the treadmill for 45 minutes and then walk out. You, you, you might want to lift something heavy too, right? Yeah. You might want to start with that. Yeah, and I'd be like, at the end of the day, if the treadmill is what's getting the person off the couch and moving, I'm yeah. still okay with that. You know, right. I, 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 I am for movement and the best training program in the world is the one that actually gets you moving. So mm. like I could stand here and say, we offer the best training program. I believe that in my soul. But if that's not speaking to you, it isn't the best training program for yeah. you. And I would prefer you to get moving somehow. Makes sense. Makes sense. So talk to me a little bit. So you, you're, you're in the customer facing industry, right? You, you, you need someone walking in the door last 15 months, the planet has stopped, right? For the, for the most part, it doesn't matter where you are, but again, the planet has stopped and there was no open doors at, at all. How has metabolic moved through that? How, how, how have you been able to continue to evolve, continue to offer sessions, you know, be they outside or be they on, on a, a mobile platform or whatever the case may be? What, what's today look like for, for metabolic and the things that you're doing based on everything that's happening across the globe? Yeah. So I'm happy to, to, um, you know, to make the statement that we are, we are back to 2019, 2020 numbers and have been for a couple months. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to our program first and then I'll address the, um, fitness community as a whole. So number one, we have an unbelievably amazing, uh, set of franchisees that help implement, um, our game plan. Uh, we have an amazing set of trainers or coaches, however you like to label them that give a one-on-one -on -one experience. And I mean, when I mean a one-on-one -on -one experience, I'm not talking about you know, <clears throat> high fives and, and, and encouragement and that I'm talking about making people individually better every day by actually coaching them. And then I also have to, to, um, you know, to celebrate our 
our type of consumer. So the type of person that seems to find their way in our doors is a very driven individual, meaning if, if we didn't exist, they would still be looking for the best um, in their health and wellness journey. Mm-hmm. We just have happened to create um, a pretty amazing little product that you have a lot of people uh, with a similar mindset sweating under one roof. So when in the worst of it, when we were all forced to close um, nationally, um, we did pivot to digital pretty quick. Um, we actually chose a different way to do it, though, where a lot of people offered these instructor-led classes that, for me, um, and for our type of consumer, kind of had a little bit of a cheese factor going to it. Mm-hmm. What we tried to do is we tried to... And we did some of it, sorry. So it's a cheese. I shouldn't have said that. I'm, I sound like an asshole saying that. But like, let, let me just say, let me back up and say, we want, we saw what everybody was going to do. And we're like, how can we do this differently? And what we chose to do was run it exactly how we presented a class. So we would have a trainer um, introduce the interval, the work to rest ratio, the timing of the interval, we had them demo all the movements and we had them talk about what to look out for, what to focus on. So we kind of like imagine being in a class and your trainer kind of showing the movements before the class starts. Mm. And then we gave them an interval to do the workout with and suggested equipment to do at home. But we didn't break off into a lead class. We let our clients take it to their living room or their garage Um, Some of our locations even rented out equipment to allow people to do that. But we tried to mimic as much of the experience minus a trainer being there to actually tweak your movement on the way we deliver an actual workout. And, you know, it's it's not sexy to say, but we're 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 actually a training program for Mm -hmm. the masses. So we're, we're not just putting out workouts we actually are creating a year program to better our clients. Um, We tried to take that same approach. So let me go back to the industry, which what I saw. So everyone's, uh, everyone keeps saying, you know, how are you guys back? And, and, and how did you survive while others didn't? And, and there was a few things that really helped us, right? The product that we offer is a strength-driven training experience with the one-on-one attention to detail, right? I can see why Peloton has hurt the cycle programs. I can see why the yoga studios are struggling to get their talent back because their best talent have created their own YouTube channel. Mm Mm-hmm. I can see why a strength and conditioning product where their strength is burpees and jumping jacks, people are like, you know, I can actually do that in my living room. You can't mimic what we do in a digital platform. So I think the fact that I think that helped us. And then also our facilities are about two times the size of our competitors. And it just so happens when we designed them, 
they had six feet of distance between each client <laughs> at a minimum. And it was so the coach could get around to train people. So again, that helped when we started yeah. opening back up with capacity issues, when the fire, when they would say, Hey, you have to operate at 50% capacity. Well, a lot of people didn't understand that that meant your fire code and our fire code in our buildings was 90, 110 people. So at 50%, we only have 20 and 25 person classes. So the second we were able to open, we were able to open at the capacity that when we were shut down. So that. we had a lot of, a lot of factors allowed us to keep moving forward. I, I, I love that forward thinking. You didn't even know it, but you, you already had the whole design. So let me ask this. So are all of the, are, are all the other locations franchised or are they corporate owned as well? So we only have the two corporately owned ones in our flagship city um, where I'm sitting today. So Charlotte, North Carolina, we have one in the um, crazy booming uh, South end area, which if people, People know it. It's, it's one of the fastest growing neighborhoods in, in all of North America. And then about five miles away in a, a, um, a funky little neighborhood called Elizabeth, we have a, a second satellite location. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I, I saw this one coming in California. It's in San Jose. You know, that's about an hour and a half away from me. Uh, you know, as, as soon as this one opens up, I'm going to be in yep. there wearing my mad lifestyle gear for sure. I'm going to come in for, for a session. I love um, it. Um, I love it. Are you still actively, and I guess this is almost a loaded question, actively looking for new locations or, or how has that expansion changed, shifted, uh, pivoted since, again, the last uh, 15 months of the world? Or, or does that, again, even matter because of the way well, that your, kinda, your, your buildings are, are constructed? It's kind of crazy. We, like everybody, we were like, oh, shit, you know, like what? what's going to happen to the franchise model. And they just kept coming. I mean, we sold 25 units in the, uh, the worst of COVID. Um, we have about 35 units in development right now. And some of those are part of uh, multi-level deals, like um, say a five pack in Dallas that will okay. open one every six months or so. Um, but we do have 35 units in location and the bulk of those, I would say 90% of those came during the pandemic, which is kind of crazy. It's amazing. And yeah, you know, the weird thing, I think fitness people always knew that fitness was going to bounce back and, uh, to go back to some of the competitors that are doing amazing things, like watching the surging F45 or the surging, um, Orange Theory for years, and even um, uh, Exponential Fitness, a, a powerhouse private equity brand that owns um, 10 different concepts, like mm. they're all still growing too, right? I think the biggest thing that has helped us again is that opportunity. Fitness people know what we are putting out there is quite a bit different than what is already out there. And I think, you know, I want, I think the way people are chasing orange theory right now to do some version of a treadmill um, floor program. I think people know that they're, if we do this right, which I do really believe we will 
Um, I do think there'll be people chasing us uh, five years from now, but we will be too far ahead. And I think that's where kind of that investor mindset understands what doesn't exist in the fitness arena right now. And I, I just think it's a great opportunity for not only um, not only what we offer on the floor, but our business model and our margins and um, what it costs to get in. I mean, we run a very lean operation in the fitness uh, franchising world, and we have a very good set of margins that back it up. So there's, we, we, you know, obviously I'm biased. I love what we do and I, I love my team, but I do think, um, I do think we're going to make some noise here. I'm really excited about it. I love it. I love it. And I like the fact right on your website, you got the, the you know, the tag there, how, how to own a mad facility. So folks, if you are looking to venture out your investment portfolio, uh, I, I know a guy and uh, Brandon <laughs> can, can hook you up with, with something different. Man, let, let's talk a little bit about, um, and, and you alluded to it in, in the intro, your history, right? Because I don't think you wouldn't be you and your story wouldn't be complete without talking about your your uh, professional athlete career and then the, the subsequent injury. Talk to us a little bit about that and talk to us a little bit about how you've, again, uh, progressively taken care of yourself, right? Healed from a mental perspective and a physical perspective because the injury that occurred to you, the concussion, as you were mentioning, happened relatively early once you took off the minor league uniform and put the the professional one on. I mean, so, so that's got to be talk, talk – I, I won't put words in your mouth, but again, I, I guess, you know, let's talk a little bit about that and, and again, how you've been able to, to, to move forward a, after something like that. Yeah, so <clears throat> I, had a, I had a wild um, – a wild career of injuries, to be honest, um, spanning from my 17 year old, uh, amateur career right through the next. So that was four years into five years of professional. I have destroyed my body. I played, I played a pretty physical game. It, it was, uh, it was quite a bit of a different game than it is today. So like we came, me and my partner came through um, <laughs> a pretty rough game, especially at the minor leagues, for sure. So I beat my body up pretty good, but I never, ever, ever had an official diagnosed concussion. Uh, okay. Back um, when I was playing, you know, you'd get your bell rung and you'd sit down for a few minutes and then you'd, you'd be back on the ice. So long story short, um, kind of grinded my way through the minor leagues, had a real good amateur career, then grinded my way through the minor leagues. And I always had one of these like awful injuries that I made it up to the AHL, had to have reconstructive shoulder surgery, yeah. made it up, blew out my knee. So I was always like, the one thing that was nice, I got used to like picking myself back up and trying to grind back to the top. And um, I had actually decided to... I had decided to use hockey to go see the world. Okay. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play in a different country every month or sorry, every year uh, for the next five years. So I was like 26 or seven at the time. I'm like, so then I'll be done in my early thirties, but I'll use hockey to see the world. And uh, so I was signed up with a team in Belfast 
And about a month before camp, my agent called me and said, you know, the New York Islanders need um, kind of like a veteran player to play some exhibition games for them in camp. And I said, all right, this is good because this will get me ready for my season overseas. So I just said, shit, why not? I'll show up. And I ended up having just like the one of these perfect camps. <laughs> like I was playing the best hockey of my life and I played in an exhibition game, had an amazing game. And on the way home, the um, general manager called me up um, to the front of the plane and said, Hey, Cully, so it looks like um, we're going to sign you to a NHL contract. You'll spend uh, maybe 15, 20 games with the Islanders this year. And then you'll play the majority of the year with their, uh, with the team in Bridgeport. So I was like, Perfect. This yeah. is good. I mean, next year I'll go overseas. Well, I shit you not. The next night, um, I was in a, <clears throat> I was in an altercation or a fight on the ice, and I just got hit with the perfect punch at the right time, and I never again laced up my skates. So literally in a two day period, I went from getting my first like true NHL contract to never ever playing again. Um, wow. So it was wild. And I got to like touch on this, like, as you have that concussion, I didn't know the next 12 months of trying to make it back from it. My career was over. Right. So I still went through a year of trying to get over the symptoms, working with neurologists, coming back to light activity. And then it just got to a place where the, the following year in training camp, um, all my symptoms like came rushing back. I was having trouble focusing. My vision was off. I had like crippling headaches and sensitivity to light. And I went for a regular checkup and the neurologist just said, unfortunately, Brandon, we're just, we're never going to uh, clear you to play again. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm going to let you continue, but let me, let me, let me get it straight. So the concussion happened or an altercation during the, during the match as opposed to maybe you running into someone it, it happened in, in in the melee that happens typically after uh, uh after a point is scored yeah it did so fighting was a big part of yeah. uh professional hockey at that point and part of um my game was a very physical game from a body contact side of things but when you get to certain leagues right if you throw a big body check to the wrong person like you have to answer for that with the team's resident heavyweight right that was okay. just part of the game it's, it's very different so yeah it was actually a punch that caused the concussion but one of the things that we've learned now um because I still deal with symptoms today. <clears throat> so one of the things that they're studying now, it's called, think of it as a lifetime of impact. Uh, very common in uh, football. So someone coming yeah. off the line and there's that, that head shake, that constant little rattle, right? So they call them sub-concussive blows. And what they think happened to me was because I was such a physical player with that constant impact, that punch was just, it was coming at some point. You were susceptible to get hurt at some point. Mm. So a lot of people hear stories of, oh my God, this guy's had 10 concussions. And something I learned, which is 
scary and sad, like all at the same time, as my neurologist said, just because you had the one terrible concussion, it doesn't mean you're better off than the person that had 10 little ones. Like the brain's an interesting thing and we're just learning out gotcha. or we're just learning how to treat it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. dude, that is, that is insane. Um, so again, so now you've had to pivot com- completely, right? You, you've grown up in, in sports, you've grown up in hockey, you, you train your body off season during season, you're aggressive on the ice how, how do you, you got to be aggressive in entrepreneurship as well and in business. So I'm sure that trait <laughs> carried over, but you know, how, how does that whole mentality that, how did that change from, again, you being at the, that 110% level out there fighting the, the opponent to now fighting the opponent, the, com- the competition uh, in terms of business and things like that. How, how did you be able to move from one focus to the other and, and be successful in business as well? Yeah. So the first couple of years and there was, there were bouts when I transitioned into the fitness world that I actually experienced a nice um, two years of of being symptom free. Mm. And then as I just kept intensely competing, I kept triggering more and more symptoms. So I started, long story short, I started playing around with uh, CrossFit, the sport. I started doing adventure races and I just, I eventually, I'll just quickly tell this. I ran in a charity stair race um, the day before my 30th birthday. And it was like the fastest um, to the top. There's like 500 people in the, in the stairwell uh, just going off in every 15 seconds or something to kind of like put in perspective, right? And this is not anyone that knows me knows that I was a gifted athlete that could compete. So in this 500 person race i placed second out of 500 people um and when i got to the top like i just was like something's off in my head and i took the elevator down and i'll never forget it i was walking home to my house and i just started like violently puking all over the sidewalk and what ended up happening because of the lack of oxygen in the stairwell the head movement from running up the stairs and the elevated pulse and blood pressure, I actually had like a chemically induced um, concussion again. Wow. And that was 10 years ago that really, I had already transitioned into fitness, but I was kind of in that place of leading by example. And that was my 30th birthday 10 years ago. I turned 40 this year in March. And for the last 10 years, I've been completely uh, like I've been symptomatic. So it's a tough thing, right? When you, um, and I'll go into your kind of question now, like I was built to, to compete. Um, the only reason I played hockey was because I grew up in Canada. That's what you do. <laughs> that's what, you play hockey and you drink Stella Artois. Well, that, that's yeah. what I did when I was there. But yeah, I, I, I love it. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know if I was a great hockey player or just a really good competitor. And I think once I understood that, um, it was a tough couple years knowing that I could no longer lead by example in the business Mm. that I owned. I couldn't be on the floor sweating with um, my clients because truthfully, what I have to do is I have to measure my pulse rate. So I train in the off hours doing our own workouts with like three times the amount of rest and 
less of the intensity to make sure I don't cross my exertion threshold. So think about like having this new, exciting company and it's got some runway and it's got some legs and it's doing good things and you can't be the face, right? So that that was kind of a dark time for a couple years, uh, realizing that you may never be in that place of leading by example anymore. Um, but I just had to learn that it was, the, I was competitive. I had to win at something. I had to, you know what? Win's the wrong word. I had to see how far I could take something. Okay. Uh, hockey, racing. I used to love to explore what I could tolerate. I know that can sound sick, <laughs> but I'd like to see, like, find me the hardest race that say says can't be done. Yeah. And let's see how well I can do at it. So now I look at business in a similar way. You just, you obviously can't apply that type of, uh, well, I guess you can, but I mean, you just, you, you hope you can do it a little bit softer, but I, I like to see how far we can take this. Um, so that's kind of how I've that. re yeah, how I've rechanneled that competitive energy at this point. And I, I'm happy to say I'm at a great place now, you know, this is eight years past that uncomfortable place and realization. Um, and I have an unbelievable set of teammates that I get to hang out with, um, on a daily basis that help me see how far I can take this. I love that, man. And and, and some of that competitive nature, that competitive spirit, some of that, I honestly feel personally that you, you can't teach that. I I honestly feel some in in my core of this, some of that's just innate and that's just kind of that DNA of the person to be able to say, I'm going to run through this wall. I'm going to run through this fire and I'm going to get it done irregardless, but I'm going to come out ahead. And I think that from, you know, the research, research that I've done and the history that I've done on, on you, just, just seeing you're not letting anything stand in your way. And brother, if I ever get into an altercation, um, anywhere I'm, I'm calling Brandon Cullen for sure. Uh, you're going you're gonna to be the guy that call I call when I need some, need some assistance. Call me, uh, call me 10 years ago. <laughs> But so, so so talk a little bit about because you you touched on something as well, man. Um, you not being able to be necessarily the face of the organization or the company doing the the physical exertion, but focusing on the mental. And I bring that back because you just received your MPM, your your mental performance mastery coaching certification. Congratulations, first of all, on that. Um, Thank you. Talk, talk to us a little bit about what that means, what you're going to do with that, and how you're going to. Now, be if you're not going to be the face of the organization out there doing doing all of the physical exertion stuff, but how you can implement MPM types of best practices and philosophies into the things that that Metabolics is doing. Who? So self discovery for me has always been recognizing that I've thought and acted quite a bit different than a lot of people around me. Mm -hmm. And I fought it for a long time, trying to convince people to be more like me and to think more like me. And one of the first lessons I learned in business, when we started to scale, um, I learned that I was a, a good leader and a really shitty manager. 
<clears throat> and meaning that I wanted everybody to think like me. I thought everybody should think like me. I thought the way I thought was the right way all the yeah. time. And yeah, talk about and, that know, distinction. Yeah, I like that. Talk about that. Yeah, and, and being honest, it's something I, I work on today because I know that's not right. Even saying it out loud, I can real I, I hear myself sounding like a complete dick saying that. You know what I mean? So part of self-discovery and working on yourself it's re it's it, it's it's kind of like reading about what my type is and you can think of all the personality tests that are out there and and one that has really resonated with me is something called the enneagram i don't know if you're fam familiar yeah, with it so definitely. Pro probably won't shock you that i am a number eight i'm a challenger um, <laughs> i would have never thought i would <laughs> that is yeah that's that makes sense makes sense so the truth is, that's actually funny. I'm not, I'm not qualified to say this, right? But to a degree, you're wired a certain way, mm -hmm. but that doesn't give you the right to be an asshole. Um, and I think many of the things that have made me successful as an athlete, successful early starting this concept are also things that show up in a negative way in relationships, um, mm. in, in managing. So I think the biggest learning curve of going away from being the face, right? I used to be able to shut up and, and lead by showing up in a workout and just being that person. And then you have to step behind the scenes and the way I've always described it, I'm like, Hey, trust me. I promise we're that good. Yeah. And you don't have that ability to be like, I'll show you how good we actually are and, and who we are about. And that, you know, put me down a path of understanding myself a little better. So yeah, I think the mental performance, um, uh, the MPM certification, I don't even know if I'm going to apply it, to be wow. honest, in coaching people. But I do know that the way Brian Kane did an amazing job articulating a lot of my belief system was almost like validating that it's okay to demand excellence. It's okay to value structure. It's okay. Like I I'm happy to admit that I probably have OCD. I, I think it's an asset to be honest. With that being said, I find the more I can like learn about myself, the, the, the softer, the, the softer I can be in a, in a management role to understand that you are a bit of an outlier that's okay. You don't mm -hmm. need to apologize for it, but you also don't get to be a complete prick mm -hmm. because you're, you're one. You're, you, I, in that Enneagram test, there's nine types. Mm -hmm. I'm an eight, which is not common. Yeah. So like, I don't get to have this position over the world that you got to think like Brandon does that that's ridiculous. So I'm just trying to be a better version of the way I'm wired is the easiest way to say it, I think. <laughs> that that just that goes in alignment with what I was saying about it. Again, I think folks are, are have those innate types of skills as opposed to being able to necessarily train everything and, and you diving into that just just 
resoundingly just affirms that as well. Nothing wrong with being an eight, brother. You look, you have done some great things. You're doing great things. I, I, I want to move and, and talk a little bit about what's driving you from life lessons perspective. We talked a little bit about this in 2015. You did a TEDx talk in, in Charlotte and folks, I'm, I'm going to put the link to the talk that Brandon did. It's, it's amazing. The man gets on stage and, and he, he, he lays it out there. But I, I honestly think that you left something on the table. Right? I, I can tell that either the, the environment was either set up such that you couldn't say everything exactly the way you wanted it to say, or you knew it was being recorded, but you're being recorded here too. And look, it, it doesn't matter, brother. You can say whatever it is you want to say. But sure. you say hockey taught you certain key aspects about life, life lessons, you know, resilience, work ethic preparation go over those life lessons that you learned from your sporting uh career and what you now have in business and feel feel free to dive in as deep as you want i'm not, I'm not going to pull it out of you but but again i, I think folks will, will, will definitely benefit from hearing what are those life lessons that, that you learned that you continue to utilize and, and and focus on today as you move forward in all your other engagements so you know what's interesting um i think you misread what you think you saw. I think oh. you saw a younger, immature person trying to prove a point that was conflicted with how hard do I go here? I have trouble watching that now because I feel like I was out there trying to convince the audience that this was the way to think. I really do. And I think I knew the arena I was in. I knew it was a inclusive TED audience that wanted to hear all perspectives. And I was coming pretty hard with the perspective. And I almost felt like looking back, I feel like that was the part of my life where I was trying to understand, um, understand yourself, but also too, at that point, I think I was still trying to push myself on um, everybody, I think. So I think it was, I don't know if I left anything on the table but I think I was uncomfortable with how hard do I go here? Right. Uh, because at that point in my life, I probably wanted to deliver the message even harder. And I was yes, probably no, at I, that, I saw that point in yeah, my that life. I saw. <laughs> and I think there I was like, no, 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 you be measured, know the arena you're in, like <clears throat> just, you know, this is a good opportunity, do it right. You know, I'm, um, I've always been confident but if I look back, am I, was I comfortable in the message I was delivering? Was, was I comfortable in, you know, the life that I live? Yes. But also, too, I think there was no reason to convince people. You can simply share a perspective and not argue it. And you know what's hilarious, too? There will be friends of mine right now that eventually see what we're doing today. And they'll be like, hey, Cully, you haven't changed that much, so settle down. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, the main lessons, if I can remember what I was talking about there, was kind of being on time because mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in being respectful of other people's time. Uh, I do. I said this at the talk. I still show up to doctor's appointments like 30 minutes before. And then I'm mad at the doctor for being late. <laughs> He's mad at the doctor, am, you know? 
<laughs> that guy. Um, the weirdest thing is I am the last person that wants to see some type of uniform being a requirement. When I hear yeah. of workplaces looking down on people with tattoos, or I read a beautiful story today about a black journalist, a woman that was told she couldn't wear braids. And I'm mm -hmm. like, so like that, that side of thing drives me insane um, to have this, this crazy notion that a dress, an exact dress code needs to be in place. But I am a believer in looking professional mm -hmm. in the arena you are going into. So if I'm on the trading floor at Bank of America, I might not look like every guy in khakis and a blue shirt, but I'm going to look damn good and I'm going to yeah. look damn professional. Yeah. If I'm on uh, the training floor in a metabolic facility, I'm not wearing like a tank top that you used to see in bodybuilding and some MC Hammer uh <laughs> jammers right like i'm gonna look good standing in front of that board so it's like have some have some personal style but like be know the arena you're walking into yeah. like like know that there there are some there are some other generations that don't think the same way there are some stereotypes there are some hierarchies like these are real things and, and to ignore them, you could set yourself up to fail. Um, and then I think the last thing was, which I still talk about a lot and I'm a big believer in. And I was just working with um, some young high school students the other day and they, and one of them asked me like, what's the, if, if you could tell me one thing, you know, what would it be? And I said, <clears throat> I said, you know, all this bullshit now being sold about balance, go, go find balance in your life and all that. I'm like, that that's fine eventually, but there's some work years ahead of you, bud. And I find like, I'm a big believer in like these productivity books and, and hacking life and bettering yourself. And I always make this, this analogy that I think it's hilarious that everyone writes the book about balance and work-life balance. They do it after their career grinding it to write the goddamn book. And they seem to leave out the chapters Great on point. the grind. Great point. And now wow. we're, so like, I'll, I'll be honest we work our butts off at our job but when we go home to our families on the weekend we are the people that do shut their computers and shut your phones off but that's not the same as not working or always looking for balance mm. um i've always found that most of and this is personal this is selfish this is my own experience but any progress that i've seemed to make has came in the off hours it's when nobody's watching you it's at this point in my life it's doing that certification whenever i could find a sliver of time over the last year to try to understand myself or yeah. validate my thinking processes or process a little better so yeah, it's weird. Um, I think I, I'm sorry. I went on off a little bit of a tangent there, no but I think the big, 
the big takeaway is I hope I get a redo of that one day because I, I, I think I'm a better version of that same guy. I'm still him yeah. very much. So I'm just a better version of that. Okay. That's, that, that's interesting. I, I would tell you what, I, I would love to be, send me a ticket, man. I, I'm not going to do that with virtual. <laughs> I, I definitely want to be in that one, but I, I think really what, what you're saying to folks and hopefully they take from, from this conversation is that just be aware, right? Know, know the situations that you're in, that you're going into. I love that whole fact and that aspect of showing up early, right? Be, what you, I think you said something like be, if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. So, you know, something like that. I mean, and, and that's the same type of mentality that I was brought up. I was brought up in a military family. So, so again, kind of that, that regimen, that, that routine, uh, be dressed right, uh, you know, present yourself the way you want folks to perceive you as, as well, man. So I, I really love the fact that you've you learned that at such an early age. You took that on through your sporting uh, career and also now in, into business. Um, you moved on and got now some certifications. And I think in and I'm, and I'm going to say, I think this one of those other avenues that you're using to spread that message. Again, if, even if you can't be out there going, you know, ape, um, uh, on, on the, on the metabolic floor is through your podcast playing guilty, right? Cause, cause, cause you, you, you talk about some things in, in the podcast as well that, that really talk about who you are, where you've come from, what you're doing, how you're doing it, and kind of some best practices again, not just from the personal level, but on, on the professional level. Is, is that kind of what, what the goal is with, with uh, playing guilty? <sighs> There's a couple things, right? Um, I'll be completely honest about this. So part of our franchising and, and part of our team at Metabolic, the best opportunities and people that we have got involved in have been through speaking engagements mm. and in-person conversations. I'm lucky and blessed in an interesting way that my life has introduced me to a lot of great people. I have, a, I have an amazing circle of people that I'm very close with. And it's very, it's a small circle, but then I also have a circle of, um, and that's just because keeping those, the certain group of people real, you know, in in a different bucket, Mm -hmm. um, than the whole world, but I have a lot of amazing friends and business acquaintances that are doing unbelievable things. Um, so selfishly, I believed if I could tell their story well, Um, not only would people that, uh, support me get value in their story, but I also knew, you know, selfishly that they also had a reach and that someone that valued this friend or business colleague of mine, they're probably a similar type of person that would also like what we do at Metabolic. Mm. So there's a couple things going on, right? There's a, there's a franchise sales side of things. And I don't mind admitting to that, like. I'm here to that's business, grow right? my hey, product. That's this this yeah. is a way to do it. And then the flip side of things is as the company scales, I'm, I'm a creative within our company, right? I like vision. And part of scale is you don't touch everything as much as you used to, right? You have actual, you actually have better people in places doing things you were once trying to figure out. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like that. that. that's part of growing, right? So part of moving all our systems over and putting it into kind of a growth machine and building our team 
there's also this component of creativity that was a little bit missing. So I also think not only does this um, help promote our brand as a whole and introduce you to some unbelievably amazing people, um, it also gives me some something to try, something to be creative with. Um, so yeah, it's weird. There, we were at our annual meetings in Miami at the start of the year and someone had listened to me on a podcast uh, from our team. And they're like, you know, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I was like, I, I guess I could, I could probably figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like how it started. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it this way, the last thing I want to do is turn it into some cheesy uh, sales per self-serving metabolic podcast. Yeah. I'd rather target some amazing individuals that I think would help our overall message. And the team was okay with that. So that's um, what we've been running with. Love it, man. That's what I've seen from the couple of episodes that I have, have listened to thus far. And again, I'll, I'll put the link to, to that in the description. So folks, you can add that to your to your library of podcasts that you're listening to. Um, I'm going to show these pictures. I, I've got some pictures, man. And, and, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of things about that, but I, I don't want to, you know, stir up anything here. Good. So let, let me, you know, look, look at this guy. Hold on. Who is the evolution of Brandon Cullen has been the hair. Okay. That, that really, <laughs> this guy right here, it's just, just straight out of, jumped out of bed, put on a Jersey and said, Oh, we're taking pictures today. What? Look at this dude. Um, oh. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything, but then, you know, let's oh, go to wow. this one. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about this right here. This, this, this gentleman right here looks like someone. That's you, brother. I look, I look, look happy. <laughs> Show this at, at, at your next franchisee uh, onboarding session. This, this, this is who you're coming to work with. Look at you. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, uh, you know, then, then you know, there, there was another one that, that I wanted to show. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put you out there too bad, but, you know, there, there are a couple that, that I wanted to show. Now, this one, the man in action himself, out there doing his thing. Folks, look, look at him. Number, was it number 50, 53? Yeah, that means you're not that good. So you just, they just gave you whatever jerseys left over <laughs> is what that means. <laughs> You know, what's crazy though, that, um, which I know because, uh, that is the last game. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the last game. I, that's the last time I ever put on skates and actually touched that ice in a competitive atmosphere. So pretty cool, uh, pretty cool photo, yeah. um, in general, but yeah, that was the last game I ever played. Awesome. Awesome. And you know, from a, from a physical playing perspective, um, there, there, there was one that I saw. And that was actually, let me back up. So now I'm looking, that is my face from the career ending uh, injury. Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I will say, which is, you know, it was, I got hit with a pretty good shot at the start of it that yeah. um, <clears throat> broke my orbital bone and my nose. Um, but we ended up having a pretty good little tussle and this is me going to the dressing room, uh, after 
the, the fight was uh, split up. So I was in um, Nassau Coliseum and I did go out to all of the fans clapping. So at least I can say I got to have a cup of, <laughs> I got to have a cup of coffee in the NHL and, and went off to a standing ovation and that was it. So Brother, clean, you, that's it. Yeah, I, I won't I won't show anymore, but uh, I, I think that those first two <laughs> photo mug shots were, were, were amazing. But uh, um, <laughs> storied career for sure. You you're doing some good things. Now talk to us a little bit about what's next. Right, um, and just now looking at Q three, FY twenty one. I'm not sure how your financial you know calendar lays out, but you know the second half of the year, rolling yep. into 2022, looks like the world may start uh, cracking open the door a little bit. You know, if if things go a certain way, so you definitely might be able to have some different conversations in different locations and open up. Um, what's next for the business? And what's next for, for you as well? Um, are you going to be doing any more uh, personal training or uh, development types of uh, opportunities and activities? Um, so we have a couple big uh, projects that I'm working on for the business right now. We are about to start a big um, kind of media campaign to get our voice out there. You know, we wanted to, we wanted the, when we decided to scale um, we took on a private equity partnership about two years ago. And really, we wanted to use the first year or so to just move our systems over safely. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hit. So it ended up becoming this kind of like two-year thing that franchises kept coming, which was great. But now we're in a real good position to start making some noise. So like investments in the right kind of media company. Um, I have a big project that I'm working on, a new LMS, a a learning Mm -hmm. management software to help on-ramp all aspects of the business a little bit better. Everything from, let's say, bringing on a new vendor, uh, putting them through a learning path all the way to your general manager, to your trainers, to your um, just every aspect of the business. So this is going to be about a... 12 week kind of implementation process. So those are kind of like my big projects that I'm, I'm focusing on right now. We also will be opening probably six units before the year's out, like physically opening. Nice. So we have um, San Antonio, Nashville, Dallas, Fort Worth, Stanford, Connecticut, I'm missing one other one too, but I think we'll get six more units physically open before 2022 and the pipeline's deep. Um, So like I said, we have the 15 open right now. We have over 30 in developments. I think by the end of the year, we probably will have another 10 to 15 under contract. And the ultimate goal is like, things start really kind of steamrolling, right? So we would like to get to 200 units um, in the next five years. Love that. And that's that's our big kind of, um, mm-hmm. that's our big goal, you know? Is, is San Jose open yet? You know what? California has been, as you can imagine, it's been a bit, a bit of a struggle. A little bit. So, can, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so everything from real estate hunt to stipulations to, the backlog in um, like subs, like yeah. looking for architects contract, like all that stuff. So 
we have LOIs out on multiple um, sites right now. So I think we're very close to locking something in. Awesome. Um, I just lost my train of thought. But yeah, I think. And then the other thing that's interesting that, you know, we're, we're highly aware of is we must be making some noise because we are starting to get some bigger type private equity firms Mm. reaching out earlier than we would have expected. Um, Which is a good thing. It just tells you, I think we're on the right path. We're not considering anything, but the fact that those emails and calls are creatively coming through just for, I just would like to talk about the business. You know, it's, so I don't know if we'll be put in a position earlier than we think for a bigger level of growth or um, just different opportunities that are there. But I, th- I think we're small, like we're little, but we seem to be making um, you make some, some noise. noise. You're making so, the right noise. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, as soon as I'm selfishly just waiting for San Jose, because I, I, again, I, I want to roll in there and say, you know, Brandon sent me. And I want to make sure. <laughs> I want to make sure they're doing it the right way. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna go in there. Uh, I two questions that I that I'm end with. Look, I'm a technologist by passion, so I got to ask you, what's your go-to piece of technology that that you use on a day-to-day basis? Well, I actually don't tell any people in the fitness world, but. I'm a music guy more so than anything. So Spotify is the thing that I probably touch the most. I mean, and there's nothing overly, you know, creative about it. Although their algorithms are pretty brilliant and like, I love their user experience, but mainly it's because like, I am absolutely obsessed with music. It's what I love more than anything in this world. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I would use the most. And you know what I've, I've kind of fallen in love with too is Evernote. People yep. have told me about it for years, but I love Evernote. I don't know. Keep keep track of what you you know the the notes instead of keeping them in your head or on a piece of paper. Man, you know why not save them digitally? So okay, I like yep. that. I love that. Where can people find you, man? Again, I'm, I'm going to put a couple of links out, your your, your Twitter feed, uh, metabolic.com, obviously, and uh, that, that TEDx talk. I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to make sure that I didn't I didn't leave anything of, a, of an expectation after I watched it a few times. But tell folks where they can find you on, on social media, man. I pretty much keep to uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, so I... Um... I'm easy to find, right? The I ended up uh, kind of protecting the the word mark, playing guilty everywhere I could. So that's I I'm everywhere, but I decided a long time ago the Instagrams of the world. It broke my focus, and I know you know I know that they can be great business assets, but for me, um, I like business to be professional. So I, I stay on LinkedIn, you know, I, I, I keep a a personal, um, Instagram account that a lot of people find based on the name playing guilty, but it's only for my closest friends. 
and pretty much it's my family's photo album. So it's mm. pictures of my partner and me, my two, my two little boys and, and, and my family. So, yeah. you know, that's a private thing. So anyone wants to find me though, I'm very active on LinkedIn and, and I'm always happy to kind of lend a hand to people in the business uh, space for sure. I love that, I, man. We, we could have gone into a whole nother pivot just right there on breaking the cycle of social media and, and the fact that you're consciously doing that, either, you know, separating personal from professional and taking that distraction away of scrolling you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever the kids are using the Snapchats and the TikTok, scrolling those feeds. Right. And if you look at how much time is actually used doing that as opposed to something productive or something for your business or for yourself. Again, we can, we can go on, on a tangent and I'll, and I'll get off of my rant right there, but I, I'm you just, <laughs> you, you gotta be so disciplined because I can make an argument that I could potentially be hurting our growth by not having a personal Instagram to be the person behind the brand or one mm. of the per- people behind the brand. But for me, it's not worth it. You know, I've seen the bad side of that. Um, in my own kind of personal life, it, yeah. it's just not worth it for me. I love it, man. Rand, look, man, I, I thank you, sir, for your time. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we were introduced by our, 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 our friend Phil, right? I mean, I think this was a, a good, uh, partnership conversation that, that we've had thus far, man. I, I wish you nothing but success. You, you clearly articulate your differentiation, right? And, and I think it resonates it now more resonates with me and, you know, I'm just, again, third person looking in, but I think when you deliver that message to potential investors, potential franchisees, potential members of the metabolic lifestyle and family, I think it shows in your passion and your desire and everything that you've learned right from your sporting career, resilience, the work ethic, being there early. So you're not late. Uh, All of those tenets of lifestyle, I think, uh, are shown in, in, in you, the way you deliver your, your, your message and the way you portray yourself. So kudos to you, brother, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we had this time. Let's, let's definitely find a way to get together again soon, man. I want to have some more conversations. Yeah. With you. Well, you know, and I appreciate all the kind words and, you know, I'm thrust into a lot more speaking engagements than people on my team, but, you know, I can't say enough about my own teammates. <clears throat> we use that term internally a lot because you know i'm one person that had an idea with a buddy but now we are a well-oiled machine of some rock stars that i'm happy to call teammates so yeah i I always got to celebrate them definitely man that's the sign of not a manager but a leader for sure Uh yeah brandon be good to yourself man take care um Let's 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 check in on each other when when you know some of those more facilities, especially the ones coming to California, so I can go and 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 live that metabolic lifestyle. Yeah, I like good excuses to come to California. Come on, brother. Sure. Come on out here. <laughs> All right, man. Be good. Thank you, guys. Thank yeah. you.